welcome back. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Hollywood. And I'm Paige Turner. All right. Uh, tonight, we are going to talk about the beautiful by Renee um, Idea. We're not quite sure how to say her last name, but it's spelled A-H-D-I-E-H. Yes. Um, so that's our best guess. And we are drinking Angry Orchard. Angry, <laughs> Angry Orchard. Orchard. Which, um, the fact that we're drinking this is not helping the pronunciation of the words, so... Yeah. And to be fair, we did pregame today, so if we seem a little too tipsy <laughs> off of uh, Angry Orchard, that would be why. Um, so this book is one that we were assigned to read. The book club that we're in, it's a young adult book club at Southern Bound Bookshop. If you do have any local bookstores... Uh, number one, you should be frequenting them and giving them most of your money, if not all. Um, but also see if they have book clubs. It is a great time to get together and talk. And Great way to get involved with your community. And to and meet, meet friends, because that is actually how Holly and I met. Right. Meet like-minded people. Yes. So, now that we've shamelessly plugged that, um, the book is called The Beautiful, and it's set in New Orleans, which is a little near and dear to all of our hearts because we are located on the Gulf Coast, so we're not too far away. So yeah, you ready to discuss right. this a little bit? Yeah. You want to start as we usually do? Did you enjoy the book? <laughs> I did. Her writing style was a very easy read. She threw in some um, different languages in there, and mm-hmm. just like a sentence here and there, because as... M- you all probably know there is a big French culture in New Orleans, and one of the characters also grew up in South America, I think, and so he spoke Spanish. Mm. Yeah, um, Bastion did. Yes, yes he did. Yeah, for a few years. But it was fun because she threw in these phrases, and without even speaking the language, you got what was being said because of the context, but then they also kind of translated them the the phrases right so even if you don't know any spanish or french you're you'll still know what's going on yeah so that was really fun i really enjoyed that what about you so i'm sorry to say that i did not totally enjoy the book um holly is not a fan of the ending i'm not a fan no somebody Um, had way too many questions and um it was not me it was me (laughs) (laughs) um the writing style did confuse me um which we will probably explain better a little later. It was it was written from the perspective of two separate people who then ended up being three separate people. So at one point, it, it, I can see how it could get a little confusing if you tried to think too much about it. Luckily, I don't try to think very much. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, it also was a romance, which I am not too fond of romance. Oh, but see, it wasn't like it wasn't like too romancy. I'm not like I'm not a fan mm. of the smut. But I can, like, get behind a little bit of a, of a love interest going on. Well, these pages of pointless <clears throat> flirting was kind of well, what turns me Well, not all of us off. flirt in our everyday life, so <laughs> I like to read about my flirting. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but it just throw me under the bus like that, Paige. You're welcome. <laughs> much better flirt than I am <laughs> she's like got the comebacks and I get real awkward and I'm like oh I like your face um, <laughs> I'm teaching her it's okay she'll get the hang of it eventually 
Um, so back to the story. Mm-hmm. It starts with Celine and... Okay, so the main character is Celine. Her and her new friend, Pippa, is where it begins. They are on this ship. Headed to New Orleans. Headed to New Orleans. They're leaving their old lives behind and hoping to start afresh in America in New Orleans. And one of the first things that you find out is that they both have secrets in their past that they don't want to talk about. And Celine's secret is kind of dark and I was about to say mysterious, but secrets usually are. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a little redundant. Um. But yeah, so they have secrets, and they're trying to build this new... and start over. Right. Start new lives in a new place, and kind of put their past behind them. How much beside them? Beside them. (laughs) Um, And what better place to start new than an exciting city like New Orleans, and the time frame that they're in, especially. Yes, because it is set in the late 1700s, so it's um, not a modern story. That's that classic New Orleans feel. Yes. And, um, and naturally, it is Mardi Gras season, so peak time isn't it always in New Orleans? New Orleans. <laughs> uh, so lots of balls, lots of... <laughs> <laughs> Which comes later. Um... Lots of parades. And all that comes with that. And it's a very exciting time for Celine, especially because in her life in France, she was a seamstress under the tutelage of a very famous seamstress and dress designer. Which comes later. Yes. So she has a skill set that attracts her specifically to beautiful things, which is very important to her story yes because how does she meet her beautiful thing (laughs) (laughs) you're getting ahead of yourself no i'm not that doesn't happen yet yeah it does they don't meet yet yeah they do well she first sees him okay she first sees him how does she first see him she's on a freaking caravan right yeah she's in a wagon she's in a wagon and and this beautiful man walks down the street and literally stops traffic, like, with his mere presence. <sighs> they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> Did they ever make them like that to begin with? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she sees this mysterious man. Um, so they, Celine and Pippa and a couple other girls are headed to a covent um, mm-hmm. to stay under the care of a nun. Yep. So they can find husbands, like... Good girls do. And make find their place in the society. Yes, preferably witch husbands. Right. That's basically Pippa's whole plan, is she is going to find herself a rich husband and have a good life. And Celine is not quite as interested in that, is she? No. I don't know what she's interested in. I think she's more interested in making her own way, I guess. I she think is. that was her she's, plan. She wants to have her own shop. Um, is kind of her dream, but she uh, she realizes that she has to find a husband in order to make that happen. She's just not as interested in the whole, I have to find a wealthy husband who needs a 
proper young lady, mostly because she does not see herself as a proper young lady because of her mysterious past. Am I getting ahead of myself again? <laughs> I zoned out for a second. <laughs> <You're dead>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Where were we? We're just at the beginning. Yeah, we haven't even, like, started the story. Okay. So... Okay, so Celine and Pippa and a couple other girls are selling wares at on the on the on Jackson Square mm-hmm. to raise money for their covenant. And um, they hear news that some lady named Naomi was brutally murdered nearby. Um, um, I think it was one of the, like, scary, quote-unquote, scariest things about her murder is not just that she was killed, but, like... Her throat was sliced so much she was almost decapitated. And she was drained of blood. That is terrifying. Very. <laughs> okay. And I think that's your first real big clue of what's to come. That there's some dark evil in right. the city. Um, something a little less human. Very, yes. Something um, sinister. Something sinister, something evil, something, yeah, non-human. Yeah. It's probably the best way to say it. Uh, I think that's your first. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's your first big clue. So, this lady approaches the table, and um, she's all dressed super fancy and elegant. And um, her name is Odette, and she finds out that Celine is a seamstress, and she asks her to make her a dress for the upcoming. Um, Mardi Gras occasions. But she wants a very specific dress. The theme of the ball that they're going to is um, like the French court. So Marie Antoinette and um, the king whose name I can't think of at the moment. (laughs) It didn't mention in the book, so we don't know. I have no idea. um, So that time frame. So very fancy, very elegant. Um very elaborate and she sees some hand stitching on some handkerchiefs that Celine did and she just knows that Celine is exactly who she wants to make this dress and Odette is this Odette kind of feels very larger than life like she's just very outgoing and kind of takes over the situation and creates an offer that Celine can't refuse like she offers to pay her whatever she wants to make this dress right but and Celine wants to accept the offer naturally but she doesn't right away because she doesn't think that the mother superior who is the nun that is watching over them will allow it right Um, so she tells her she'll get back to her well then they go to the mother superior and at first the mother superior says no Pretty much exactly like Celine thought she would. Um, But after a little convincing, Mother Superior agrees to let them. Only if Pippa goes along with her. Only if Pippa goes along with her. So she doesn't want, Mother Superior doesn't want Celine out in the city by herself late at night going to this Especially with the murder having just occurred. Right. So she's looking out for her own good, but send two young ladies out unaccompanied in the middle of the night. And somehow that's better. <laughs> that's so much better. Um, but she relents, and Celine and Pippa go, and they go to meet Odette at this, what is the name of, oh, at Jacques. 
Yes, and it turns out to be a restaurant. But before they make it there, um, they see a man getting beat up in an alleyway. And um, Celine wants to intervene. So she drags Pippa along. And Pippa. yeah, Pippa does, is not about this. <laughs> no. She's like, let's mind our business, please. Um, but they do intervene. And it turns out to be um, some guy getting beat up by Bastion, the Bastion beautiful man from from earlier, and a friend of his. So they actually meet each other. Yes, for the first time. The official introductions are done. Yes, and there is an instant. There is an instant attraction physically, but almost repulsion. Personality-wise. Right. Like, she does not of... want to like him because he's kind of a... he's kind he's of an ass. up a helpless <laughs> dude, but yeah. at the same time, he's hot. <laughs> I gotta get those hormones in check, girl. Great. Um, so, yes, they meet, and then the man who is getting beat up actually starts to come after um, Bastion and his friend with a knife. And before anybody can really react, Bastion's friend, what was his name? Ajern. Ajern? Is that how you said it? I think it's Ajern. Okay. Um, He reaches out and grabs the man's hand, and the man is out cold. And all he did was grab him. Yeah. His hand. There was no punch. There was no whack upside the head. He just touched his hand, or grabbed his arm, mm. and the guy was out cold. So there's another clue that... Something s- un- otherworldly is yes, going on. something non-human is taking place in this city. Almost magical. And Celine cannot understand it. But she doesn't really make it a point to uncover it either. No, she doesn't she, want to. Right. Because the... Dark, seedy underside of the city is kind of appealing to this part of her that she discovered in her past that she's trying to run away from. So she's conflicted in what she's wanting because she's trying to run from her past, but this feeling that she discovered in her past is exciting and drawing her closer. Yeah. Did you see that? Like, did you catch that? I guess. I feel like that was kind of a deep way to translate it but yeah i guess i could see that would be why um i don't really have an answer for why she would react (laughs) the way she did but i just thought it was strange i mean you see all kinds of weird magic things going on aren't you gonna want to know what it is you know aren't you gonna want she just kind of reacts like oh that was weird cool whatever and just goes with it like she never actually says what the hell was that and i don't know i just feel like that's not how person would normally react but i guess i could see if you're saying it like she's just trying she's connecting it to her taking it personally i guess well a little bit they talk about how she is excited by the danger yeah and that scares her because that's connected with the secret from her past yeah it becomes very complicated for her because she's excited and repulsed at the same time and um she really doesn't know what to do with it like, she's very torn throughout the whole book, I feel like. Yeah. Until she decides to give in to it on her side. But that's a little bit of a spoiler. So, yeah. Anyway, they, um, guy getting beat up is out cold. They have officially met Bastion. 
and uh, uh, Azor? Mm-hmm. Now, backing up a little bit, do you think there's a reason she's so attracted to the darker side of things? Yes. Like, yes. What's the main reason? Is it just her personality, who she is, or is there something else going on? Oh, like, is she possibly supernatural as well? Right, right. Is there an attraction <clears throat> to that for a reason? That I don't know. I don't know. And they yeah. don't go really go into it. No, they don't. And, of course, you remember, um, did you talk a little bit about her parents? And um, she doesn't know her mom. Oh, yeah, that's a very big part that we forgot to mention. Um, so, Selena's from France. And she is beautiful. She has mm. long, curly, thick black hair and just pale skin. And she's just, she's a, a gorgeous girl. And we find out that her mother was from Asian country. We mm-hmm. don't know which one. Celine doesn't know which one. But her mother died when she was very young. And so when they moved back to France, her father told her not to let anyone know that she is not, that, that she French. is mixed, that yeah. she is of mixed blood, because then she would be judged and would not be accepted into the same circles. So she was basically told to forget her mom. Pretty much. And she was only allowed to show part of herself, which means she never really fit in anywhere. Now, do you think there's a deeper meaning to that? Like, maybe um, it wasn't about her the, her mom's race. Maybe it was more about, you know, maybe her mom was a supernatural being. I, I hadn't thought about that before, but I suppose it could be. Um... I just took it very face value that it was about the race because in that, at that time, cultures didn't really mix. Right. People were very stick to your own people. Which is why it is an, a believable reason why her father would say that. Right. I just wonder if there's more to it that we just don't know. That is a really good point. I haven't thought about that yet. Um, Which may come up in another book. In, in another book, because this is um, the first book in a trilogy. Yes. So there's two more books of information that I cannot wait to read. So they go on their way and they get to to Jacques and it's this incredible restaurant and it's so fancy and some of the way that they described the restaurant made me so hungry when I was reading it. Um, But she's taken upstairs to another part of the restaurant where she meets uh, the... Court de Leons, which is horribly said. Sorry, I'm not French. No, you um, said it better than I would have. So <laughs> good job at the, attempting it. <laughs> it translates into the Court of, of Lions. And that is where she is meeting Odette for her dress fitting. Actually, yes. not for the dress fitting, for the measurement taking. Right. And so everyone there is gambling. Kind of. And one thing in particular that she notes about everyone there is that they're all beautiful. They are just exceptionally beautiful people. And there are people there who are doing magic tricks. Mm-hmm. There are ones that are gambling. She meets this one man who um, she's talking to about the game that he's playing. And she's pretending that she knows what she's talking about. And he tells her, I can taste the deceit in your words. Which is an inkling for her, for Celine, that there is something not right about this. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a part where they see um, some people playing a game, 
and the pieces magically like move by themselves. Yes. And that's another hint at some magic taking place. But again, she doesn't react the way I would expect someone to react in that situation. Like, she's just like, oh, cool, that was magic. Okay, that's a thing. Right, I, I get that, but I have a good point as to whether or it not just she... strikes me as odd the way she reacts. Pippa seems to have more reaction than she does. Especially when the snake comes. The snake. So... I don't understand the point of the snake. Why was that a thing? Why... I don't know. That was so, very pointless. So Bastion um, has a snake. Okay, so we should... <laughs> they learn... Odette tells the girls that Bastion's uncle owns the Court of Alliance. Yeah. So that's why Bastion has a pet snake that lives there. Because he is a peppy little uncle boy. <laughs> peppy little <laughs> uncle boy. <laughs> um, no, so... The, the Court of Lions is this very well-known, very established, seedy, bad place. Typically, uh, women of a certain social standing don't associate with them. They're just known for being something not quite right. And in fact, it is assumed by some people that the Court of Lions had something to do with the murder of the girl in the very beginning of the book. So that's kind of the reputation that they have. Mm-hmm. They they have a repu- reputation of evildoers. And being above the law and their yes. own thing. Yes. Then Sebastian comes in and they are introduced again. Um, one thing in particular that happens right before Bastian comes in is that Odette tells her... Tells Celine that um, she does have um, an ability to see into the future. Um, so Celine asks her to see if she could see anything in her future. So Odette does. She uh, touches her arm mm-hmm. and says that all she can see is that Celine is meant to be the tamer of beasts. Yes. I'd actually forgotten about that. Um, and another important thing to notice about Odette um, at this point in the story is Odette has gone from this very beautiful or innate dress to she is now dressed as a man. She's wearing slacks. She is wearing pants and she is wearing a man's shirt and a Which is unusual cravat. in that time. Very much so. Women didn't wear pants then. So she, you see Odette as kind of a... Someone who who bucks against the rules. Like, she's right. not... She's not your typical woman in good society. So, it makes... And I'm sure it's a lot because of the time. But they make a big deal about what a woman of... In High good society. society would do. Right. Which I hate. I hate that. Like... Of course, but that's... people be people. Right. But that's a modern take yes. on that. Um, so Bastian comes in, and Odette and Pippa slip away because Pippa has spilled a drink on her dress. Well, that's where the snake came in, remember? Because of the snake, right. <laughs> so, that stupid snake, why does he exist? We're getting ahead of ourselves a little. Um, so the snake comes in and scares the ever-loving bejesus out of Pippa. She screams like a scared little field mouse. It is so funny. Okay, but first, she thinks she feels something touch her foot, and she screams. 
okay, and it's not really there. And then later, he actually shows up, and she freaks out again. Like, I feel like that was also pointless. I feel like the snake is going to make a much bigger I hope so. Otherwise, I'm like, you just wasted pages talking about this (laughs) stupid snake and having her freak out for no reason. But anyway, Pippa spills her drink. And (laughs) and so Odette and Pippa go away, so then it's just Bastien and um, Celine. How convenient. So then a couple pages of flirting. It's really cute. Like, don't hate. <laughs> it's it's cute, I guess. Yeah. But it was just a lot. I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. There's, there's some attraction there. We understand. We get it. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then uh, Pippa and Odette come back. And Celine is ready to take Odette's measurements. So they um, go to a different room, and they open the door, and they find um, a body of a girl who was another girl at the Covent. Yes. So they're going to take these measurements, and they go to this room that there's no way that, like, Celine and, and Pippa have no idea about this room. And they go, and this poor girl that they have spent the entire time on the boat with and the couple of days at the coven with is dead, throat ripped out, drained of blood in this room. Just like the first woman who was murdered. Yep. And I kind of saw it as like almost a closet, like because it said yeah, that she was sort of, like pressed, she was up against the wall. Yeah. The, 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 the a very small room. Yeah. So another important piece that we need to um, mention is that in her blood on the floor is a letter is drawn. Or a symbol. A symbol. I don't know that it's a letter. And um, with the first murder, there was also a symbol, right? Yes. Yeah. But they are two different symbols and not the same. So there's this mystery of what does this symbol mean? Who is doing the killing? Why was this girl following Pippa and Celine? Well, we already know that. They piece that together. So the Mother Superior sent her, but... right. Why would she send, like, we don't ever explain that. Why does she send her? Because she didn't really trust Peppa and Celine by themselves, I guess. So then she sends another girl to spy on them. And that just seems too complicated. Tell them they can't go. I know. It was complicated. <laughs> See, another pointless Like, there thing. are a couple, but somebody had to die. They had to somebody have has to die. Couldn't so, be a main character, so there you go. But now, everybody in the Court of Lions... Celine and Pippa are suspects. Right. So the police arrive, and you meet Detective Michael for the first time. Yes, and he is this, I, I picture him as this, like, swarthy, swarthy, I think is how you say it. Swarthy. Swarthy, swarthy. 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 <laughs> He's so swarthy. <laughs> Sorry. Um... This, like, swarthy, half-Italian-type, like, good-looking, yeah, but down-to-earth, yes. just like Romeo. Like, that's the, the vibe I got off yeah. of Yeah, yeah. And he's very smart, and he does not like Bastion. No, it's very obvious that they have bad blood. Yes, there is some kind of rivalry, whether it's a family rivalry or just a, a personal dislike between the two of them. There's obviously something very 
deep going on between the two of them. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. I can take it out. Um, so, Celine's trying to get out of there, right? She mm-hmm. wants to get back to the coven. And so, she attempts to flirt Michael. <laughs> and fails. She fails. flirts about as well as I do. <laughs> In front of everyone. And it failed miserably. And so she's, like, embarrassed, and she's embarrassed in front of Michael, and she's embarrassed that Bastion saw it, and that the rest of the Court of Lions saw it, and that Odette saw it. Like, she's just humiliated on so many levels. And then Michael, like, turns her down, like, the silly little girl that she's booing. That was so dumb. It was so mean. And I mean. Well, she shouldn't have done it. That was dumb. Have done it. She should not have done it. She should have known better. Girl. You cute. Girl. Like, There's a time and a place. <laughs> and that was not it. No. He, do not try to distract the law. The law tends to frown Seduce on the law. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It doesn't work when you get pulled over for a speeding ticket. It does not work when no. you get questioned for a murder. No. It, oh God. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, my God. Okay. So, but Michael does um, send Celine and Pepo back to the coven. Well, doesn't the Mother Superior show up and, like... Oh, that's right. That's right. The Mother Superior shows up and was like... These girls need to be at home. It's right. late in the middle of the night. They've had this tragic thing. That's right. And she Let takes them, them go home. home and, yeah. And then uh, Michael agrees to interview them later. So, I think it's, like, the next day Michael goes to interview them. Mm -hmm. Um, But before Michael shows up, Bastien's friend, Arjun, shows up to, quote-unquote, represent Celine and Pippa as their lawyer. As their their legal counsel. Yes. Then Michael starts to interview them, and it becomes clear to Celine that Michael does not suspect Celine and Pippa, but rather... He suspects Bastien, and that is why Arjun is actually there. And in fact, Celine starts to suspect Bastien because she remembers seeing a yellow ribbon that Bastien had been moving from one pocket to another right before Michael got there the night before. Right. So she sees this and then remembers that the girl's hair was loose so she thinks that that yellow ribbon belongs to the girl who was murdered right so she immediately suspects fashion right okay so um after the interview not much is happening but um pippa is starting to be courted by some dude named phoebus because phoebus phoebus Phoebus, (laughs) because that's her rich man yeah she's just trying to find a man just to get her out of that place and she really just wants um, sugar daddy. That's all she wants. Pretty much. So she finds this man, and she's like, he all right. He got money. That's that's all that matters. Well, and his mom is pushing the two of them together. That too. That too. His mom is like, I want me some grandbabies. <laughs> <laughs> right? So um, so that happens, and at the same time, Celine is invited. Odette invites Celine to dinner at that restaurant. Jacques. At Jacques. Yeah, the French language, I love it. It's beautiful. They use way too many letters for the amount of sounds that come out of their words. <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to remember. There's a lot that happens in this um, particular part of the book. So she she's invited for dinner. Pippa is being courted. Oh, and then there's this weird scene that's never really fully explained where Bastien is 
on this rooftop with Phoebus and two other dudes, and they're, like, supposedly making a business deal, and it starts to turn sour, and then next thing you know, Bastion is torturing these guys. Okay, so this is the first time when you really get a good idea of what is going on with the Court of Lions. Like, what kind of non-human entities they are. Yeah. So, they... They're on this rooftop, Bastion and Phoebus and two other boys, and they're trying to do this business deal. Bastion wants to um, build a hotel on the riverfront for his uncle to expand his uncle's business. So he's, he's being a shrewd business person. And the, the two boys are drunk, and I think they tr- are trying to get one over on Bastion, but Bastion is like, he's shrewd. Like, he was raised by this very wealthy, very prominent man in the, the mm-hmm. environment is the only word I can think of. But, yeah. What am I thinking of? <laughs> community. In the yeah. community. And these two boys are trying to take advantage of it. Well, what really, Bastion already sounds like he's aggravated with these guys, but he's just trying to be a businessman and put up with it. Well, up until one of them makes a comment about Bastion's friends. Oh, that's and right. I'm not, it comes off as being racist, but I don't know if he meant as in their race or as in what they were as supernatural beings. Well, I think nobody really knows what they are as supernatural beings. But it is important to point out at this point that Bastion is part grew up Hispanic, I believe. Yeah, in South America. Yeah, so like he that. is of mixed race. Mm-hmm. And then all his friends are from they're all different races. From all parts of the world. So it's a very um clear racial divide. Yeah. And so I I did not take it so much as a snide remark on the fact that his friends might be supernatural. I think okay. it, I I so took you think it, it really was a race thing. It was either a race thing or a you're a bad company thing. Right, because he he says something along the lines of, "Well, you know, um, your we kind just of don't people. do business with yeah with your kind of people, and that's what sets Bastion off." And people. suddenly these. Two boys and Bastion are surrounded by Bastion's friends who were not there <laughs> a minute ago. They just kind of they just appeared, show up out of nowhere. Boom! So that's the first time when you really get a good look at what's going on with his friends and what type of being they could they might be. And then the Bastion's friends fall on these two boys and start... This is kind of where you really get a good glimpse of their vampires. We can come right out and say it at this point. They have... They're, they're feeding on the two boys. And so it's this terrifying... Don't they have at one point, like, levitating the air? Yes. Or something? Yes. Like, dangling upside down in the air? Oh, yes, they do, the two so boys. Like so they're just, like... They're just torturing and terrifying these two boys. Um, which they well deserve, right? These two little shits had it coming. They were spoiled brats, and they were cocky and yeah, annoying. Very. <laughs> I wish I could do that to some people that annoy me sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then Bastion looks at, asks him if he wants to forget because the two boys won't remember any of this. 
But he gives Phoebus the choice because he had nothing to do with the problem. Yeah, he was just kind of there. And Phoebus asks to forget. He said he wants to to forget. And the very end of the, the chapter ends with Phoebus screaming. Like, Bastion says, okay, I will help you forget. And then Phoebus is screaming. Right. So, I'm assuming that the forgetting has something to do with being bitten. Can't guarantee it. He just has some ability, but Bastion is not what everyone else is. No, he's not. And you don't find this out until the very end. So Holly just gave it away. I I didn't Spoilers. 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 But it's important to know this because Bastion isn't the one who makes him forget. But you just know that you possess. (laughs) Yeah, they do possess some sort of ability to get everything which is another indication of the worldly things. Yes. So at this point, you pretty much know, okay, well, they're not all human. <laughs> and if you don't, you then, are not reading the same book we read. Then, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you need to pay more attention. Um, so things go on and... Okay, so then that scene is ended and never come back to that, which still... It's something I think is I don't understand. It's got to be a very a very bad setup for the next book. And see, I think that's another reason why I didn't like this book so much because there were so many questions unanswered at the end. And I understand if you're planning on making it a series that you want those open ended topics, but with, there were so many, and it, there was I just I ended up feeling more frustrated <laughs> that, yeah more frustrated than intrigued by the end of the book i just i didn't like it <laughs> are, you, are you a fan of romance no actually see that is the problem i don't like romance and i don't like vampires <laughs> so this whole book was not meant for me <laughs> not that other people couldn't enjoy it you know obviously i, I just enjoyed it. i just didn't yeah, and everyone not, else at our book club actually enjoyed it. I was did. really the only one that didn't really like it. Well, only three other people read the book, which that's, is funny. that's fair. That's fair. Um, and and they did enjoy it, even though they had questions. That's something. There are questions, but it's still, I think, a good story. So, right. so back um, to the story. So back to dinner at um, Jacques. Um, so Celine's having dinner with Odette, and they're yes. having girl talk, right? Yes. And Odette is like goading uh Celine picking on her because she has noticed that there is an attraction between Celine and Bastion. Right. And Odette is very much the well if you like somebody go for it type. Like yes. she's not some like little wallflower. Like she's gonna go after what she wants. Right. And we also find out at this point that Odette really isn't interested in men at all. And it, it, I thought that was really well done because she just, like, comes out and says it. And Celine gets all flustered and is like, oh, I mean, I'm flattered, but no. And Odette's <laughs> like, you stupid child. I am not attracted to you like that. You're beautiful, but no. <laughs> yeah. So this is the second time when Celine is, like, thinking she's got something she ain't got, I guess. I guess. She, oof. Girl, you need poor child. Oh man, <laughs> that poor girl. She is not getting lucky in New Orleans. Let's just <laughs> not at all. No, no. It's the second time that she's been like denied, like, <laughs> put in her place. Um, 
But Odette so, does continue to tease her about Bastion. And, um... And she gets to the point where Celine actually says, um, yes, I think he is, what, too beautiful to be real? Or yeah, something, something like that. something like that. And Bastion is standing behind her. Naturally. That right? is every right. girl's, like, biggest nightmare. That is so cliche. It is, but you just know how that poor girl felt. Like, she's oh, already... he's standing right behind me, isn't he? She's already <laughs> hella embarrassed because Odette was like, little girl, I ain't into you. And then she gets her to admit that she finds him absolutely breathtaking and he's right there. <laughs> like... Oh, man. It's so cliche, but it's so, it was so well done. Yeah, yeah. It was was so nice. (sighs) So, so now, you know, she's totally embarrassed, and she's just ready to get out of there. So she's like, I'm leaving, goodbye. And she doesn't even, like, call for a cab or anything. No, Odette cabs. They don't have cabs. Well, but they call. Wait, a carriage, I guess? Yeah, they call the carriages cabs. Okay. So it's not like a taxi cab. It's like a buggy cab. Yeah, yeah, horse and buggy. Yeah. Um, so Odette offers leaves. to get one for her and to pay for it, and she's stubborn and prideful and is like, no, I can call my own. I got this. And Fossa, get off the keyboard, baby. <laughs> Sorry, my cat is trying to join in. Fossa, go away. Fuzzbutt, get off the keyboard. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, of course, she doesn't call a cab because she doesn't have the money and she don't got this. And she's walking home in the middle of the night after two people have been murdered brutally. And she hears somebody behind her, which is freaky. Like, she turns around, there's nobody there, but there's somebody there. Like, she can hear it. She can feel it. Well, this thing comes up behind her and starts whispering to her. Yeah, like some creepy stuff. Yes. What does he even say? It was like something really creepy. Um, hand me the book and I'll find out. Yeah. It was something like, I don't know, you will be mine or something, my love. Okay, so it says, as she continued making her way to the convent, footsteps shifted in line behind her, clear and crisp against the blue-gray pavestones. Heavy footsteps, like those of a man. Celine listened as they drew near, then straightened her spine. There was no reason to fear the person at her back. Pedestrians took to the streets of the quarter at all hours of the day and night, It was irrational to think that this might be anyone or anything else. So she hears the footsteps behind her. She tries to lose them. She's scared. She's reminded of this terrible night that we still don't really know about from her past, where something obviously happened that caused problems. And so this this person following her scares the ever-living bejesus out of her, right? Right. So she turns around. It says, panic. Uh, panic taking hold, Celine halted in her tracks, dared to look over her shoulder. Nothing was there. Her heart dropped into her stomach, its beat thundering loud and hard through her body. Celine, a voice whispered behind her, a voice of nails grating across slate. And I'm not going to try to do that because that was not a pleasant sound. Uh, fear uh, lanced through her, keeping her immobile for an instant. Then she whirled around to find nothing. None more, it rasped at her back. It's words, an icy brush against her skin. You smell divine. Come with me to the heart of the Chopin? I don't know how to say that. Uh, Die in my arms. 
Celine lifted her skirts and ran, her feet racing above the gray paved stones. She sprinted to the nearest corner, rounding it, her teeth chattering in her skull. So what what a creepy thing to have said to you. Right. Like so you smell divine. Die in my arms. <laughs> and the voice knew her name. Super creepy. Yes. Terrifying. But um as she's being attacked, of course, Bastien shows up. Patty to the rescue. Yes, and somehow um, scares away this thing. Um, somehow knows how to deal with it and gets it to leave. Yes. He basically tells it to, not basically, he tells it, be gone or stay and meet your maker for I'll grant you no quarter. Like, okay. <laughs> I almost see, um, I think it's from Disney's Robin Hood when they're like, be gone, small one. What is it? Like, that's what it makes me think of. It kind of cracked me up. Be gone, or stay and meet your maker, for I'll grant you no quarter. Ooh. Taking that. Scary. (laughs) (laughs) The worst part, though, I almost forgot about this. The other sound that the creature makes, it chitters at her. So it's almost like this insect noise right behind her. Like, ugh. That's just creepy and gross and terrifying and... Yeah. Okay. So she's terrified. She's saved by Bastion. They decide to walk around to calm her down because she's scared shitless at this point. Right. And they find themselves at a parade. Yeah. And they just kind of get lost in the festivities of the parade and end up having a good time despite what just happened. Yes. And it sort of just kind of turns into a date. Yeah. Nothing like a good scare to make a date great. Right. Right. (laughs) So then they go back to the convent and they have a moment where they kind of confess attractions to each other. But they both agree that they're not good for each other. And so they'll be nothing more than acquaintances. Yeah. So, like, neither of them want this attraction. We all know how that goes. Yeah. Nobody wants to be attracted to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> um, so... Um, then it cuts to um, Celine and Pippa are staying up late in the coven. Celine is sewing and Pippa's painting and, you know, they're just hanging out, doing and their thing. Celine is working on Odette's dress, yes. trying to get it done. Because at this point, she has, like, days to get the dress finished. So they're working by candlelight. They decided to use their candles together. So they're both doing their separate pursuits in the same room so that they're only burning one candle at a time, basically. And they're just, like, having a girls' night and talking. Everything's super relaxed. And then they're going back to Celine's room and carrying all of the sewing stuff there because Celine needs some sleep. And they open the door to find a body half hanging out of the window of Celine's room. Yes. And along with the body is the creature in the room waiting for Celine. Yes. Again, can she go nowhere? <laughs> No, she can't. There's nothing worse than, like, not feeling safe in your own room. Yeah. Like, that's just terrifying. And again, this creature is telling her to come die with them. And there's another symbol next to the body in blood. Mm -hmm. And it's just terrifying. And this time, there's blood everywhere. 
Yeah. The other two murders, the body has been drained of blood. But this time, it was obviously interrupted because there's just blood everywhere. Selene, of course, is terrified. And in comes Detective Michael again. Well, um, before that point, though, um, she talks to the Mother Superior. And she's shaken up and she kind of lashes out a little bit. But then the Mother Superior says, look, we've oh, been yeah. talking... And I've been talking to other nuns, and we think that it's in everyone's best interest if you leave the covenant. Right. She's basically kicked out because they think that these murders are taking place because of her. I mean, they're not wrong. But not that she's... Well, no, it's not because of her. They are. She is involved. She She wasn't involved in the first one. That's true. That is true. It would have been happening whether or not she was there. She just becomes the focus. But she got mixed up in it. She gets mixed up in it because there is the attraction with her and Bastion. Right. So at this point, she is involved. Right. So. But it's not her fault. Of course it's not. It's not, but. But she's blaming herself. So she is going to, like, cut ties with everybody. She determines that she's going to. She even uh, starts to push Pippa away. Yeah. In order to keep her safe. She wants Pippa to hate her so that. Pippa will stay away so that Pippa won't be a victim. Be Yeah, be caught up in it as well. Right. So then she runs into Michael um, and Odette, actually. Right. Well, they come because they hear about the murder. Right. And so Michael comes and he's questioning her and he's trying to figure out what it is. And he also, also, he also, he also, also, he also offers protection for her. Um, when he finds out that she's been kicked out of the, the convent. Yes. Does she take the protection? No, because Odette also offers her protection. And so between Michael and Odette, she chooses Odette. She chooses Odette because she wants to set a trap to catch this thing. Yes. That is such a typical girl move. Like, oh my goodness, this terrible thing is after me. Let me just offer myself up so that we can catch it because I'm awful and deserve to die, basically. Let me play the damsel in distress to save everyone else. Let me sacrifice myself. Yeah. Because my life is so awful. I'm such a terrible person. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not making fun of people who feel that way. Just making fun of the times that I felt that way. (laughs) For this character in particular. Yes. Um. Yes. Anyway, so Odette um, lets her stay in this particular hotel. So she stays in the personal suite of Bastion's uncle. Right. So it's not just like, we put you up in some hotel. No, it is, you are in the best hotel in the state, or in the city. Yes. The fanciest one, and oh, by the way, it's also magically protected because... Because of course it is. Because it's Nicodemus's hotel room. It's his home. So yeah, it's this very swanky room. Right. Very ornate, obviously expensive looking room. And this is very important because in this room, there are magical protections up. So that's why they put her there. She doesn't know it, but nothing should be able to get in this room that isn't like specifically wanted in there. Right. So that is why they think she's safe. So then the next day, Celine goes to one of the parties where um, everyone else is there. All the, the Court of the Lions are all there. They're all dressed up. And um, Bastian is there as well. Well, that's where and she's, she's 
quote unquote setting the trap. She is going there. Yes. Because all of them from the Court of Lions will be there, and she expects the creature to show up and Bastion to save her and them to catch the, the bad guy and everything to be hunky doy. Right. As we know, because stories never work out the way that the girl thinks it's going to. Of course. It not. doesn't work. It doesn't. So anyway, she sees Pippa and she's still trying to avoid her, so she on a whim runs out of the building into this maze. And naturally, Bastian follows her into the maze. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody knows what goes on in that maze. Mm-hmm. All like, these couples sneaking off in there. Yes. All of these very drunk, very giddy, very festive couples sneaking away into a maze. Of course. So they're in the maze, and they're talking. <laughs> talking. Right. <laughs> they have moments about having moments. It's stupid. <laughs> so stupid. And she's like, well, I want you to tell me the truth. And he's like, okay, but not here. Right. So they go back to the hotel room. And that's where things get hot and heavy. Like. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, they're having (laughs) fun, right? And then all of a sudden, she looks up out the window. It's not even the window. It's like up on the mantle or some shit like that. It was in the room? Yes, it is in the room. Oh, I thought it was like in the tree in the window. No. Oh, damn. She looks over his shoulder while she is laying on the bed and there is a dead body up on the mantle. Okay. Yeah. In this room that's supposed to be like so safe. And it's not just any dead body. It's one of um, Bastion's friends who goes by Nigel. One of his closest friends. And not only is he dead, but he's totally dismembered. Yes. Like, it's horrifying. And Bastion even freaks out because this room is supposed to be magically protected. Right. It becomes like a huge big deal. And they they go to Michael, to the detective, and he locks Celine in a cell for uh, her own protection. In his office. Oh yeah, in his office. She he locks her in locks her in his office. And um then comes this awkward moment where Michael's grandmother and cousin come in and bring her dinner. Okay, so it's awkward, but that is such an Italian Nona thing to do. <laughs> like that Italian grandma was like, You mean to tell me you got a woman locked in your office and you don't want me to feed her? No, I'm gonna go feed her. I'm gonna go check out this girl. Like, I'm gonna go set the two of you up because that's what we do. Like, it you see it as awkward, but I I totally get it. Like, it would have been weird if that hadn't happened. I guess. <laughs> that is what Italian like, grandmas do. the whole do. time, she's like, oh, isn't my grandson super attractive? And yes. he's so smart and he's so good looking. And you know, he said that he has his eye on a certain young lady. And we all know it's Celine. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. It was crazy. So poor Celine is like super uncomfortable. And she just wants to escape her past. And make dresses and catch this bad guy. And now she's trying to get, like, she's got people trying to set her up with everybody. And poor girl. She's so over it. (laughs) I mean, I would be, too. (laughs) (laughs) She is done. (laughs) Um, 
Um, so, but she's still so set on um, catching this guy. Yes. Um, so she breaks out of Michael's office, but immediately leaving the um, police office, she runs into Bastian's uncle. Who is not in warm as well as... He is not as warm and welcoming as everybody else has been to Odette. He is not enamored by her. He's like sees right through this facade that she's not even trying to put up. He is like, I don't want you around my nephew. You're being stupid. We're not gonna help you catch this thing. Like Yeah. She's like he's like basically um, stay away from him or you'll die or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, like, threatens her. Stay away or very bad things will happen to you. Yeah. And um, he's actually backed up by the rest of the Court of the Lions. Um, even Odette is there to say, um, she's like, Celine, you're my friend, but they're my family. And I'm not going to go against my family. Which, right. So. I mean, you get it, but it's got to be heartbreaking. Right. All of these people that you, all of these friends that you think you've made in this world. And they all turn on you. Every single one of them refuse to help you. Yeah. And so she's just still determined. What is wrong with her? Still determined to catch this guy. So she dresses up and goes to the next party, this dance. And um, so Bastian's uncle is there at that dance. Yes. Can I just say, real quick interruption, I love what she did with the dress for Odette. Oh, yeah. So they decide not to have Odette dressed up as Marie Antoinette because she says everybody will be dressed up as Marie Antoinette and exactly. it's not going to be special. Right. So instead, they decide to dress her up as the mistress. But more than that, Celine decides to put this special little surprise in the design of the dress. So when we see Odette, in this dress, she has this beautiful, big, ancient French-style um, hoop, which, if you know, they're very wide, but kind of smushed. So it almost looks like they take a circle and they smush it in the middle, and that's what the, the cage looks like. Well, then they have split the front of the skirt open, and she's got pants on underneath. And... Everybody can see them, and it is amazing, and it is so Odette and so perfect for yes, her. it was very perfectly done for Odette. Very yes. customized. And it was just amazing. And it shows not only the level of thought and skill that Celine put into it, but how much she loved her friend. Like, yeah. she knew that this dress would be exactly what Odette would want. Even, and did it even after Odette refused to help her. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I had to put that in there. I really liked that dress. And she says, um, when she sees Odette in the dress, she says, um, even if she never speaks to me again, I know that she's grateful for the dress. Right. So Bastian's uncle dances with Celine and says, have you thought about what I told you? She says, yes, I'll leave him alone. If you give me one last moment with him. Basically, but, she's saying that she will turn her back on him, but she wants to be the one to tell him. Yeah. Um, which, of course, she doesn't want to tell him. <laughs> no. She just wants a moment alone so she can give them her dastardly plan. 
Right, right. So that wasn't really what she meant, but that's what she tells him. So then um, the uncle agrees and um, says he'll set that up. So he tells her to go to the terrace and he'll send Bastian out to her. So she goes to the terrace and um, he does run into Pippa again. And Pippa confronts her and says she's like, you've been avoiding me and that hurt my feelings. And And you're an awful friend, but I still love you. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Basically. And Celine's like, I promise I have reasons for all this, but I can't talk to you about this right now. And she ends up making plans to, like, hang out later with her. Um, I guess in the hopes that she will come through all this in the end. Well, she will catch the man and she'll be able to actually have her friend. Right, and have her life. Because she does miss Pippa. That was her, her first friend after leaving this. Right, and the whole point of her pushing her away is because she's trying to protect her. Right. So then she ends up being the only one on the terrace, and the creature comes and kidnaps her. Like, steals her away, basically right out from under Sebastian's nose. And so minutes later, Bastian realizes what happened, and um, even sees another mark on the Mm -hmm. Another symbol. Right, and automatically knows that she's in danger. They so um, Bastian realizes that she was kidnapped and goes to Michael's office to see what he can figure out. And he doesn't go to his uncle because he knows that he's not going to get any help from them. Right. So he goes to Michael, and he's Michael has written on this blackboard everything that the creature has said to Celine, with the exception of one thing. And that one thing contains the word that I don't know how to say. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> it was like, meet me at, basically, meet me at the heart of Chartres. Right. Come with be, me to the heart of this place. And it's the would be name a of a church. Yes, it was a cathedral um, in a certain area of the town. And um, Sebastian, like, automatically knows he needs to go to this cathedral. And, um... Michael comes in and kind of stands in his way a little bit, so... They have definitely have a pissing contest right there. Yes. Bastian knows he's running out of time, so he punches Michael in the nose. Which, we find out, normally, that would not be a big deal. Bastian has injured so many people without batting an eye. Yes. But this whole story, we hear about this treaty between underworldy things... And we find out now that Michael is part of this underworld world. (laughs) (laughs) And Bastion punching him in the nose has just broken the treaty. So he has basically ruined everything for his family. Yes. Over a girl. Because boys are stupid. Boys are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Bastion figures this out. Punches Michael in the nose and runs off to save his girl. So and they, who do we find with her in this cathedral? So it um, cuts back to Celine. She wakes up in the cathedral and she sees that the guy with her is actually Nigel. <gasps> the one who died, <gasps> by the way. He's the one who was supposedly dismembered and put up on the mantle. He's actually in the alive. Room, but he's still alive. Dun, dun, dun. Shocker. Yeah. And so the killer is actually Nigel. Mm-hmm. So we think. So we think. He is the killer. Yeah. 
mastermind. Not the mastermind. Which comes later. Yes. He is the pillar. So they kind of have a tussle, and, and Celine starts to get away from him, but doesn't. Right. Because she has yet to figure out that they're vampires. Like, so she's, she's a little bit. So she's like running from him, and she's weak and doesn't feel very good. And she's running as fast as she can, and she's not running very fast at all. And he's not coming after her. And right about the time that she notices that he's not coming after her, he suddenly appears in front of her. So now she's, like, really freaked out. So finally. Finally. Finally she's freaking out. And she Took her the entire book, but you know. She freaked out a couple of times. Not like this, Not like she should have. When the thing was chittering at her. That was the wrong thing. No. <laughs> anyway, so she's, like, trapped. Bastion shows up to save her. I guess we should point out what Nigel's whole dynamic is here, why he's doing this. So, Nigel was Bastion's protector. He's basically Bastion's guard dog. Well, at some point, Nigel got tired of being a guard dog. He was tired of living in Bastion's shadow because... Bastion, who we find out, is not an otherworldly creature. He is not some mystical person. At this point, he is just a man boy mm. person. A man boy person. Um, and Nigel is fucking pissed that he has to, like, protect he this person. He has to turn specifically to protect him. Right. Like, he Nicodemus. He has to give up his life specifically to protect this one, one guy. Nicodemus turned all of uh, Bastion's friends to create, like, the perfect bodyguard group. But won't turn Bastion because he's trying to keep the rest of his bloodline pure, I guess. Well, no, it's... uh, Sebastian is his last relative. Yeah. His last remaining relative. And so he, he wants to be able to continue his bloodline. So it doesn't necessarily mean he wants it pure, but once he turns... He can't have kids. So Bastion would be the end of the bloodline. Oh. Yeah. Vampires can't have kids. Well, not in this one. Wow. So, yeah. Um, Bastion comes to save her. Gets in a huge fight with Nigel. Mm-hmm. And. Fights him off. Fights him off. And then Nigel goes back after Celine Because Celine ends up stabbing him with a knife that's in her back. Good on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did something useful. <laughs> Finally. Good job. <laughs> I don't know. She made pretty good bait. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Sure, she did. <laughs> so, Nigel runs off. But Bastion is very hurt. Yes, he's dying. Yes. And so, Celine makes a deal with Nicodemus. She decides to... Oh, Nicodemus shows up. Well, yeah, he shows okay. up to Along save his... the rest of the court. To save his nephew, because that is the most important thing in the world to him. Right. Is his nephew. So, Nicodemus shows up. Bastion is dying. He's just going to leave him and be like, fuck you, dude. You should have been stronger. Yeah. Or you shouldn't have gone after the girl. One of the two. He's like dying. Basically, he's justifying by saying, well, dying a mortal life is better than living a cursed one. And that's why he doesn't want. That's what he says. Like his excuse to not turn him to keep him alive. I think that's just the excuse that he says, because he obviously has no qualms about turning people, which is just his family that he won't turn. Um, but Celine makes a deal, and she says, if I f- 
forget him completely. Will you turn him? And the next thing we know, she is waking up. In Michael's office. Yeah. With seemingly no memory of Bastion. None whatsoever. Like, she has a sense that she's forgetting something, but she doesn't know what it is. So, that basically implies that the deal was made. Right. So, we assume that Bastion lives. And because she doesn't remember him. Right. And then we cut to the creature who is talking. And this is the part that confused Holly. Is because some of the time in the book when we hear the creature talking, it's or hear the, the creature's point of view, it's one person. And then sometimes it's not always that one person. But there's no way to distinguish that it's two different people. Which is So why, I would always read it as just one character. See, I didn't... I always read it as... The mastermind. Uh-huh. I don't really think we got that in depth into Nigel's reason for doing it, because the mastermind is very much a this goes back centuries and they took something from right. my family and we're two very different groups of of entities and right. there's this big war and Nigel's reasonings were not that in depth. Right, he was petty and jealous. Right. Which so, you don't know it's Nigel all the way up. But this whole time I'm reading it as, this is the killer talking. And I never realized that the killer and the mastermind were two different people. Yeah, the killer until, and the big evil are not the same person. Right. The and big evil is, is just... confused the hell out of me throughout see, the entire book. thinking too deep into it. Well, you know what? Sometimes a river That's is just, just a river. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta be real drunk when you read it. And that's it makes... stupid. <laughs> I think it's stupid. So, after this whole thing, we get a glimpse into the mastermind. Who turns out to be Bastion's supposedly dead sister. Who was turned not by Nicodemus. And she is angry because Nicodemus wouldn't turn her. She was turned instead by Michael's cousin. Luca. 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 Who I couldn't remember for the life of me who that was. He wasn't like a big part in the story. He was just kind of an afterthought. But their grandmother, Nona does mention that Luca has a girl that he's talking to. and Right. And so it's Emily, Bastion's sister, who we've thought this whole time has been dead, who turns out, surprise, surprise, to be a werewolf. Meaning, Michael's whole family are werewolves. Yeah. Stupid. No! If you know anything about vampire stories, there's always werewolves. Always. It's true. But the way it was just laid out was dumb. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just didn't like it. But that is why we make such a great team, because I actually really liked it. I didn't like it at have... first. I liked the ending. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad we have different perspectives on it, because it made this a lot more interesting to discuss. <laughs> yes. Than we both say, I like it. I like it, too. The end. Yeah. I feel like the last books that we had, that we, that we covered, we were very much on the same page with. For the most part, yeah. And then this one, we're just like... <laughs> Complete opposites, and Holly had so many questions at the end of it, and I was like, oh my gosh, no, I all of these things made sense, and it clicked into place, and I'm so ready for the second one. Yeah. So. I thought I was going to like it going into it, 
Wait, I just did. <laughs> I just did. Poor Holly. I'm so done with it. I'm not going to read the next one. I'm sorry to say. You I'm don't even want to find out? No, I really don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Well, guys, I will keep you updated on what goes on. <laughs> if the next book, I don't even know when the next book comes out. I looked it up to make sure that one was coming out. Don't remember when. Um. So, yeah, that is The Beautiful. It was controversial, apparently. Yeah, give it a read and let us know who you agree with. Yes. Did you like it or not? Are are you Team Holly or Team Paige? Team Jacob or Team Edward? <laughs> <laughs> oh I wasn't God. gonna go there. Oh dear God. <laughs> so we just realized that we forgot to tell you what Celine's big secret was. When she was in Paris working late one night in the dressmaker shop, a man who was known around the shop, so he was, it was not a complete stranger, but it wasn't like a close friend or anything, came in and he attacked her, he assaulted her, and it got to the point where she felt she needed to protect herself, and the best thing she could do is she reached out for a candlestick Mm -hmm. that was nearby, and she bashed it over his head, and it instantly killed him. In her panic, she felt she needed to flee as quickly as she could because, well, she just like that, she just became a murderess. Right. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. And again, I wasn't alive in the 1700s. I don't know how they dealt with things like that. Right. But um, my thought is he was trying to do terrible things to her, and she stopped him, and stopped him from doing it to other people. So, I am not condoning murdering people. Not at all. (laughs) But... But what he did wasn't right either, so he kind of deserved it. A little bit. So, that is her big secret. She thinks she's some terrible, awful, dark person because of this. Well, I think what she... um, What made her accentuate on that so much was that she comes back to it a lot and says that she enjoyed she enjoyed the the feeling afterwards the, the power surge she felt after um, taking him down and she, what she she accentuates that a lot and she that's why she always says why well, I'm this monster I'm not a normal person because I killed somebody and I don't think though that she enjoyed killing him she just enjoyed that like you said that power surge yeah mm-hmm. it was just so. I think the fact that she, you know, she one-upped him, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> like, majorly. <laughs> and I think and, anybody, basically, she won the fight. You're going to have that moment of triumph that's right. going to Which feel good. Human. But she, she... But I think she romanticizes it a lot, too, though. Like, I mean... It's because she doesn't talk about it. If she would talk about it, her people yeah. would be like, she, bro, you did what you had to do. Right, she's overthinking it. Yeah. So that is her big secret. Sorry we forgot to mention it before. We got a little carried away and a little drunk. <laughs> and we forgot As things. is expected to happen. <laughs> right? That angry orchard was kicking my behind, at least. <laughs> but um, it has been fun, guys. I can't wait to talk to you all next time. Happy reading. This episode was hosted and produced by... Paige Turner and Hollywood.